Live, 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 live. Guys, guys and gals, Guru Nation, okay? We're living in a, in a crazy world where I don't need to say what's going on outside of research. It's just insane. Ever since 2020, it's been crazy, right? It's getting crazier. Research is getting crazy, too. I found a central patient recruitment agency by luck, by dumb luck, that actually works. Now, this is early. We haven't actually randomized anyone, right? But I can already tell the experience is different from a site perspective. I can, it's already site-centric. And based on my limited experience, we, we've been working with One End Health for about a week or two. We've received 11 leads. Roughly half of them we are in communications with. I personally was in communication with two of these patients. They were pre-screened very well. The meds that they were on are what the protocol allows. All the stuff you look for. See, Steve, guys, we've got Steve Wimmer, by the way. He's the vice president of partnerships for One End Health. We're going to get into his career, what One End Health actually is. I've never heard of them until this study. We're on a study that's like basically the study from hell. Um, it's not supposed to be this difficult, and it is. That's a whole other podcast as to why. But Steve Steve came through with this. Um, I've, I've known you, Steve, like through the comments and stuff. So I had no idea that when the sponsor said, hey, we're working with One End Health, I kind of remembered I associated you maybe with this company, and I had to go check the profile, and then you messaged me. I'm like, yeah, sure enough, it is. Let's see what it's all about. And I'm pleasantly surprised. Like the, It's actually working. It's rejuvenated our spirits as a site because we kind of have like some bad luck with this study. Um, three screen failures in a row after like long screening visits a lot of work goes into these screening visits so we're like okay you know this is a lot of work we're going to be more careful with who we screen and then one end one end health came through because of the sponsor and it rejuvenated like we have like you know second second win now um so we got a screening tomorrow and so, Steve, this is kind of cool, man. I mean, whether a patient randomizes or not, whether it's due to us being a community, like a unique community, I think One End Health deserves a lot of the credit for what I've been experiencing because we have had another study with a central recruiter that's arguably easier to recruit for. And you know how many leads we got in like six months? Goose eggs, zero, which is unacceptable. And in your case, it's been like a week, maybe a week and a half. We got 11. And we actually have people scheduled to come in. So that's my context, the background um, for this interview with Steve Wimmer, who's the vice president of partnerships at One End Health, one of their first employees. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. It's a, it's a pleasure for sure. And we're going to get into like 
the nuances of patient recruitment, but can we get into your career first? Like how, how do you become employee number one or two at a startup patient recruitment firm? And what were you doing before this? Uh, I mean, I'll just say like sheer nepotism. Um, so I'm nice. <laughs> The, the founder of the company is a longtime friend of mine. Um, he kind of called me into work at our previous company, which was in the e-commerce space. Um, and I took that role. We sold the brand uh, pretty quickly after launching it. And then I went to work for the acquiring brand. Dan, who's our founder, uh, tastefully named. Uh, Great name. Came back into the life sciences recruiting space. Um, had an opportunity to help a, a company that works in the DCT area. Sorry, apologies. I know how you feel. Um, with their recruitment, they were struggling. And he was like, well, I have a lot of e-commerce experience, uh, which involves running ads and stuff. Let me see if I can put that to work and help you find some people for the study that you've got. And it went really, really well. So we spent a couple months kind of refining his approach and then spun out One in Health. So um, when One in Health was spinning out, he called me up and said, hey, we, you know, we did something cool together before. Let's see if we can run it back. It's just in a different industry. And instead of doing marketing, you're going to be doing sales. And I also need you to move back from Chicago to Orlando. Uh, and I was like, uh, sounds good. Uh, so here I am. Wow. Okay. So brand manager, completely outside of life sciences. Um, well, kind of related, right? There was a, there was a derm type of product and, um, I'm seeing that there was also like leather care and home automotive. So. Yeah. So it was the, the brand I was managing was like high end cleaning supplies. And I promise that it feels way better uh, to use the internet to try and connect people to research than to sell overpriced cleaning supplies. Uh, I, and, and previous to that, um, I, I have kind of a really weird background. Like before that I was teaching high school and before that I spent 10 years in uh, the ministry. So uh, it's just, it's real eclectic and bizarre. Um, I, I just kind of, I'm the opposite of the person with a five-year plan. I just kind of hang out until something comes along that seems like I absolutely have to do it. And then I do that thing. Um, the only other thing I'll interject is that I participated in a clinical trial before I even understood what they were. Um, I was in college and donating plasma as college students do to get some extra money. And these people came in and they had a flyer and they were like, Hey, if you get the anthrax vaccine, we will pay you extra money during your plasma draws. And I was like, sounds legit. Let's do it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like 20 they convince ago. you easily, man. Anthrax yeah, vax, like nothing. Uh, not, I'm for sure rubber stamping <laughs> mutual consent. Like, would you get the anthrax vaccine today if you had a choice? What's that? Would you do the anthrax vaccine today if you had a yeah, choice? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's already something they give our military. Like, uh, I, I tend to be pretty trusting, despite the fact that we, as a society, like kind of hate our corporate overlords. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, stone cold naivete is part of my personality. But um, I, I generally am on the side of like, yeah, I'm sure they're not evil. Okay. Got to make sure. Reminder to self, Dan, when you upload this to YouTube, take out the vaccine part. I got one more strike and I'm permanently deleted. Oh, I know. I saw that. Permanent. <laughs> I'm going to take out live. This live is good, but YouTube, I got to take it out. Um, I got one more month to behave. Okay, Steve. The... One in health. Like, what did you know about central recruitment 
Like, did you even, because you've been there for three years. So, did you have an idea that central recruitment was a huge pain point for research? Like, did you realize they were that bad? I, I sort of did. So Dan sold me on the idea of the company by explaining that even though recruitment companies have been around for as long as research has been around, no one really has any substantial market share. Like there was there was research data that was new at the time. It's, it's four or five years old now that there's no company that is even more than 5% in terms of usage across the industry, which like just from a business sense, when you have a mature industry, and there's a service provider and no one has a substantial market share, it means that's because no one has figured it out. And he explained to me in terms that I could understand that basically no one understands how to use the internet yet. Um, they're, they're basically taking these old concepts of like waiting room pamphlets and they're cropping them and they're putting them on Facebook and it's providing some patient referrals, but it doesn't really tap into what, what's possible when you use kind of good communication, good imagery, thoughtful language. Um, and so he, he effectively said, we can go and just by virtue of knowing how to run positive ads can probably provide better results for these folks. And so that was my understanding was that everything was kind of broken and the status quo was not great, but everyone was like, well, it, it can't work any better. So we'll just deal with it. Um, the thing I didn't understand that I understood within maybe the first three or four months is that kind of the problems you've talked about um, centralized recruitment. I thought everyone at the site level would be like, yes, our saviors riding in on, on white nights to provide extra patients. And we would be, you know, really well received. And the opposite was true. People were like, Ugh, centralized recruitment, like big eye roll. <laughs> um, and the other side of the coin from the no volume problem you mentioned uh, earlier is too much volume that doesn't belong. So that extra work that like, here's a spreadsheet with 200 names, go ahead and call every single one of them. Uh, maybe you'll talk to five people and maybe they'll have the condition you're, you're interested in. And so realizing that there was two problems, volume and qualification uh, was pretty surprising. to me. Yeah, I can, I mean, I can share some horror stories. Let me share the name of the company on the bottom. Uh, there we go. Is that right? Oh yeah, that's so capitalized, fancy. Capitalized in the right place. Keep and all that. the N small and the H big. The N is supposed to be like one N. Like okay, instead hold of on, says three hundred, we're kind of trying to find one person, speak to them as an individual, as a human, and bring them in, and then do that process three hundred times rather than uh, just recruit some random bullet pointed list of IE criteria. Okay, there we go. Hey, so cool. Two second times a charm. All right. Like we, you know, the, you're exactly right about the problems you, you, you've outlined when it comes to the typical central recruiter. Um, it's become a laughing stock basically in our industry. Like I was telling you, we had another study where they promised the central recruitment campaign. We never saw any lead, you know, unless they never taught us how to log in. I mean, they said everything was on the same platform and, they showed us, hey, this is where the leads will come. They never came. I don't know if that was because Yuma, Arizona, they don't know how to recruit here. I would think that it's easier to recruit in a smaller market where you have less competition for AdWords, I'm guessing. 
but that's beyond my expertise. Is that like our smaller markets? Do you guys do better in smaller markets or larger markets? Um, there's, it's, it's a two-sided coin, double-edged sword in, in all cases. So with a bigger market, you're going to have um, more competition, but there's also just more raw volume, right? Like there's in a, in a city of 100,000 people versus a million, you're going to have 10 times the amount of people who have that disease on average, like unless there's a wonky distribution of prevalence for some reason. Um, in general, there's kind of a straight line. So you're totally right. There's less competition in smaller markets. So the, the messaging is more novel um, and there's less fight for expensive words or whatever, but there's less people in general. So the needle in a haystack problem is increased, um, but the number of people sorting through the, the haystack is decreased. So it kind of balances out. I would say that we often don't have a lot of opportunity to recruit in smaller markets. We work on a lot of phase two studies. Yep. And so they'll be, you know, rolling out with like 12 to 20 sites and they're usually in mid to major cities. And so because they know the volume issue is there. And so we don't really have a lot of apples to apples on that. Um, but in general, I would say it's more in line with the prevalence of the condition and the population size than it is like we have an upside around um, lack of competition. I will say there's some, I live in Orlando and I can think of like seven different independent from one another research sites um, that are within 20 minutes of my house. Hmm. And so when I go on to Instagram, uh, within the first 60 seconds of my scroll, there is a clinical trial ad. Um, and then there's another one to two per minute, as long as I'm on the platform. Um, and so it's just overwhelming. And part of the upside of a community like yours is they're probably not facing that. Um, when you start seeing the same messaging over and over again, I don't know if you've ever like looked for a mattress online and then for the next 60 days, you just oh, see yeah. mattress ads. Yeah. It's, just, it's like that for clinical research. If you get identified because your name is on a list and somebody bought that list, as having a medical condition, not only are you seeing the pharma ads, but you're also seeing clinical research ads. And eventually you're just like, stop sending me ads about my health state. Um, so our goal is to kind of yeah. find people who are off the radar a little bit. Um, and that messaging breaks through more because it's novel. You start tuning it out. Um, yeah, small mar uh, well, look, we're here to put you, Arizona, on the map. There's no research site here other than the giant hospital that does cancer studies. That's it. Um, the nearest sites are in San Diego and Phoenix, which are a two-hour drive away, respectively, in different directions. I, unlike most coordinators, uh, Steve, like I dug deep on these two leads that I talked to personally. Like it was probably 20, 30 minute conversations. And I asked the lady, I said, she actually brought this up. Uh, I said, Well, how'd you hear about us? She and she said, Well, you know, I, I was Googling um, pain, knee pain, and then I started seeing ads, you know, just like you mentioned. I started seeing ads everywhere I went for knee pain, and I saw one about a study, and I thought, okay, I mean, I've lived in Yuma my whole life. I thought it was going to be in Phoenix because they said study in your area for knee pain. So she's, she clicked on it and said, ah, this is probably in Phoenix. And then she was shocked when it was right in Yuma. And she said it was TikTok, which was another thing that was impressive to me. That was the first time I've ever talked to a patient lead from TikTok. So there's, there's a lot to unpack there. The first part, it's kind of confirmation of what you said. 
I think there's more of an intent and motivation when they haven't seen ads in their area. Uh, so smaller markets have that advantage. But the second part, like these novel platforms like TikTok, um, are you guys seeing success with TikTok or like what works best for you as far as like platforms that you advertise on? Yeah, great question. Um, first off, let me just say like I, I'm so impressed and um, really thankful. There's people like you who are spending the time to take 20, 30 minutes to talk to people um, and meet them where they're at and be human. Like it's not a patient mill where you're just trying to check a couple boxes, get them in, get them out, like maximize profit. I mean, you're a business obviously, but um, I think Brad talks about this too. Sometimes the best practices are ones that don't scale. Um, yes. Because they're the ones that reveal kind of our humanity. And um, yeah, I'm just really thankful there's folks like that out there. And I hope people take your lead in that type of uh, just real human to human interaction. So in terms of platforms, um, we try to be pretty broad. Um, I know that Facebook's really easy to advertise on. Um, I don't know if you do it, but I mean, we we could teach someone how to run Facebook ads in under 20 minutes with a couple of good YouTube videos. Um, and some of those could be reasonably effective for driving traffic to a site. Um, I, I'd say that was more true five years ago than it is now because of the saturation. Hmm. And so there's this upside downside, huge platform, a lot of activity. A lot of the users are used to clicking ads, which is great, but um, there's saturation. And then there's that element of a lot of us have Facebook accounts, so their user numbers are really huge. But how often do we really go on there? I know I don't. I use Instagram some. <laughs> But my primary social media is really LinkedIn uh, because I'm an absolute tragic human being. Um, <laughs> and so for a lot of people who have Facebook accounts, it's it's their third or fourth most common use. So we, we find that the platform diversity, it's not so much about which one performs best. It's about making sure that we place, uh, I don't know, gambling analogy, small bets on a lot of different numbers. Um, and then as they start to pay off, we can kind of reallocate. So We'll, we'll try to run with like Pinterest, TikTok, Snapchat, Reddit, Facebook, Google, Quora. Um, we're big believers in Bing. Um, I love just, Bing now after the chat GPT stuff. Yeah, well, so it's interesting. It's, it's changed a lot in terms of user activity. But prior to that, it's the, it's the native search engine on PCs. And so a lot of folks who don't think to go download Chrome or Firefox um, just run all their searches on Bing by default. And those tend to be people who are less tech savvy tend to be a little older. So it's a, it's a cool platform if you have the need to reach older adults. So I would say like TikTok's been great for us across the board where it's been particularly surprising is that there's a lot of older folks on there, 55 yeah. and up. Yeah. Um, and if you make that case um, strategically at the, at the start um, to like a boardroom, you're like, well, we're trying to reach older adults. So we're really going to prioritize TikTok. Um, people just their eyebrows shoot up and they're like, what are you, you're very dumb. You don't belong in this conversation. And, and the point is like, it's not that TikTok is half their users are this older population. It's not, it's 1% of their user base is over the age of 65, but their user base is so huge and engaged and we don't need millions of people. We need like dozens, um, right. but it's still worth being active there. And that's kind of our philosophy. We just want to, we want to let the data kind of tell us what to do. Um, and understand that we could be wrong. So we'll put things out there into the wild that don't think don't seem like they're going to make sense. 
And then if they don't, we just turn them off. Um, but if they do, or if we get surprised, um, then we can act in real time and, and kind of create a cool result like this woman in Yuma, Arizona on TikTok. Who knows? Man, and you know what? She, I talked to her for 30 minutes. She was nice enough to call. I talked to her actually 10 minutes the day before. And it was, um, I took a shot in the dark. I'm like, hey, you want to come in tomorrow? Somebody canceled, which they actually did. It was for another study, but we we had somebody cancel. And she said, yeah. And so I woke up extra early that next day. I told all the staff, be here early for this study. They need to be here early. And she called me like half an hour before her visit. And she said, hey, you know what, uh, Dan, I'm getting cold feet. I researched a lot about this study. I actually don't, I don't like placebo. I don't like that chance. I went through all my objections like that I self-taught over the years to try to calm her down. Like, Hey, it's just screening. Let's just get, let's do the screening. There's no drug yet. We got 45 days after to figure it out, you know, try to ease her into it. Just come for the screening. Let's see what your labs are. She didn't want to do any of that. She's super nice. She, well, the fact that she called, you know, was 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 one thing. But there's like four things I want to give you guys props on, and we're we're gonna get to James's question right now. That impressed me. Number one was the platform that you guys have. Like it's very user friendly. Um site friendly uh, number two it, it allows this texting and shout out to daisy she's our coordinator that's really doing most of this stuff i the reason i talked to these two people is she had to leave early and asked me to call them otherwise she would have maybe we wouldn't have done this interview if i didn't so you text the patients like on this platform so you don't use your actual phone you, you it's on the computer which is Awesome. And then you get notified when there's a new lead, but it's very like you don't get bombarded with these emails because it's a reasonable number of leads. So that's the first thing I liked about it. The second thing that impressed me was the quality of the leads. Like they actually answer their phone. Like, wow. Like they actually text back. This is amazing. It used to never happen when we were dealing with a Kyrian and study kick and those other companies like you'd be like maybe one out of 10 would this was like one out of every two and so that was another thing then they were pre-qualified really well with the medications that i kind of discussed earlier and then the fact that you guys were using like like you said this lady was probably in her early 60s and found out about the study on tiktok so those four things, I was like, this is different. This is very different. Uh, I got to look under the hood here and see what's going on with One End Health. And can you answer James's question? Does One End Health focus on particular indications or would all indications be open? Yeah, so um, we tend to think of ourselves as TA agnostic. Um, and the reason is, at least in the US and really to a strong degree in most of the, the rest of the world for global studies, um, people are online. Um, they're, they're using the internet in some form or function, either social media or search. Um, 
the, the concept is digital addressability. So unless there's a reason to think um, that the patient population isn't using the internet, um, and, and I really haven't found a use case where it's like the, there's a TA that aligns with a lack of technological prowess, like really people just, that's part of our culture globally, people use their phones to get online. Um, so the question then is if everyone's online, um, can you speak their language meaningfully? Um, and sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't, um, but that's it. So we tend to think of ourselves as TA agnostic. The only, the only major caveat I would put there is that people who are making decisions like knee pain, uh, which is what we've been talking about. Um, someone will on TikTok press a button and be like, yeah, I'm interested in this. I'll call you. Um, to the degree that it's really severe, maybe a rare disease, uh, a terminal cancer diagnosis, something that um, a patient is absolutely going to advocate for themselves and they're going to be really tightly in communication with their treating physician. Um, we would shift the focus away from, hey, sign up for this study right now. And the messaging would more be around, hey, take this to your physician and ask if it's a good idea. Um, so, so more awareness based for, for serious TAs. But, uh, the only thing I'd say we really don't take a run at is hyper rare. So if there's 2000 people in the country with a condition, um, it's, it's really challenging it. You'd probably be best served to go through KOLs, um, HCPs who specialize patient communities, patient groups. Um, and there's a lot of folks out there who do that. So, um, that's, that's about it. I know that was a long answer to a short prompt, but I would say the internet is your friend and, and in 2023, like you should be using it to your advantage to recruit for studies. Um, however you deploy that strategically, like it's, it's a shame not to because patients are there and we want to go where the patients are. Yeah, I already recommended you. I know you guys don't work individually with sites like you would sites. Sites wouldn't pay for this in the first place. We would pay for it. I take that back. We would pay for it. But at rates like so low to where it wouldn't justify your upfront cost in setting this all up. So this is really priced for sponsors and CROs to utilize. Like sites, I have a guy who does Facebook ads and like they're good and we can afford them. Um, but this is like a few, a few orders of magnitude uh, of sophistication and, and, and complexity above that. I mean, we don't have like this texting platform, you know, everything's kind of like spoon fed to the site with one in health, which I really like, but I've recommended you already to one sponsor. And, you know, I have another study where they're thinking it's a large pharma, but they're thinking about using a central vendor. And I mean, who am I like, they're not really gonna listen to me, but well, they have these calls with us all the time. Well, what would help? I told them yesterday. Actually, remember I said after we got off our Zoom, I said me and Daisy got to get on another Zoom because there's another sponsor. Well, they're thinking about using Central Recruiter. But you know what they asked us? They said, how would you feel about running your own ads on Facebook and having us reimburse you for it? And I said, we're already losing money on your study because we're we're only paid for three screen failures and we're already at six with no randos. And we're like on par with the other sites. I see the newsletters. Um, there's no way I'm going to take more money and wait for you guys to reimburse me. 
who knows when I'm going to get that payment. Plus, not to mention the work, the work it's going to take for me to set up a Facebook ad and Instagram ad. I do have a guy who can do that stuff, sure. but like, why? And then like dealing with the leads and all that, why not just do a central recruiter? And she, she came back to me and said, yeah, they are debating that. So I would like for you guys to be used by more sponsors. I mean, just selfishly for the studies I have. So I'm going to start advocating for you guys when our studies run into issues, because I think, I think it's like pretty cool so far. I mean, we haven't randomized anyone, but I can already tell there's like, it gives us hope as sites and, the last thing you want as a sponsor is for your sites to not have hope anymore that they get randomized because then they start shifting to other studies. 100%. I think um, that's a, a really under talked about element, um, that human element of like, if I am looking at a phone number on a screen and I think there's almost no chance it's going to have any meaningful impact on my day, then I'm already like feeling bummed about it. I either will put it off or I'll do it and it'll just add one pebble on the scale of like, man, this sucks. Um, versus if I'm looking and I'm, I'm like, I'm probably going to get to talk to someone and I might have a chance to impact their lives. Like this is super high stakes stuff we work on. It's totally different. Everything about the way you perform your job um, is different when your internal mindset is positive versus negative. And like, People can be positive people, but if you've got two months of negative outcomes, like it, it's pretty hard to ask them to ignore all that. Um, so <laughs> right. yeah, I really agree. And, and I'll say this like to your dude running Facebook ads, like I think that's totally fair and, and probably something more sites should be doing is having someone who knows how to do that effectively. Um, I think probably the best use case I've seen is there was a site locally that was recruiting by symptom. So they basically just had this ad set that was like, are you experiencing any of the following? And those symptoms kind of funneled into a number of their studies. And so when they got on the phone with people, they were able to kind of walk them through a couple of different studies that they might be a good fit for, which is great because they don't have to get IRB approval when they're doing basket recruiting instead of a particular study. Um, and two, they can kind of um, get more shots on goal with a wider population. But like the site or the sponsor coming to you and saying, why don't you guys run your own ads? It basically says, why don't you have someone who is an expert in the field of digital marketing? And if you want to get really good, how about you be an expert in five different or 10 different platforms? And I just think that's really unreasonable. Like there's. Yeah, it uh, was like it was not offensive because I know it's coming from a place where they're trying to. I mean, we have mutually um, synergistic objectives like. They want us to randomize. We do too. But it's like, hold on a second. Like, we already doubled our screen fail cap. I'm already not getting paid. They told us they're going to amend our contract. But as it is, I'm not getting paid for any more screen fails. And by the way, I'm not even getting paid for the three screen failures I did accrue until we randomize someone just because that will trigger a monitoring visit and then that will trigger our screen fails. So... It's just more work. I don't need more work right now. I need like someone that's going to randomize. Brad said came for the Hawaiian shirt. Was not disappointed. Brad, um, Brad said Steve's a good guy. That was like another thing. You know that I had the four four reasons why I wanted in health. Like it was interesting. Brad was the fifth one. He's like, yeah, Steve's a good dude. Like this, he's, he's a good guy. 
um, mindset. So, yeah, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in there. Like Brad and I have like kind of butted heads a little bit in the comments on LinkedIn, but I think we both Ooh, understand that. Brad, um, come on, man. Let's get no, on. No, no. I mean, I, that's what I love. Like with you and with Brad and some other folks, you get a really unfiltered approach. Um, and that honesty is the, the only real thing that's driving conversations forward. I think a lot of, um, as you and Dr. Fox have mentioned, like kind of some of the conference content just tends to be recycled, um, recycled. Uh, a lot of people patting each other on the back, nodding their head and then garbage and do nothing. So we put together a board of people at the site level um, who are operators, not folks who are like high up in an organization of 40 sites who haven't been in a clinic in 10 years, but folks who are actually in the site every day working with patients to, to basically look over our shoulder and say, you're screwing it up or like, all right, this is cool. Keep going. And so when you talked about one in health feeling site centric, um, that's super by design. And we've made a lot of choices um, specifically because of feedback from sites. And, and I think um, the hope here is that we can start with maybe reluctant. All right, we'll try it and get to kind of what happened with you where it's like, all right, this actually is working because you've you've done the work to build something different. And we were skeptical as hell, man. Yeah. Uh, let me just be honest with you. Um, and then this actually leads into the next topic of mindset, which I want to expand more on what, what you discussed. We can either go two routes here, three routes, right? We don't have enough time for all three. Mindset, I kind of want to do that because it's positive. We can go the route of how these central recruiters get paid. And there's various models. Uh, they're big ones. The good old boys club that we hate how they get paid. I know how they get paid, by the way. And then the startups like you, I don't know how you get paid, but I could guess. Um, or we can go the career route. Like why should people or should people consider working for a company like One End Health if they're looking to get started in clinical research? I think we can handle two of two out of those three in the next like 20 minutes or so. But mindset, can we talk a little bit, like expand a little bit more about mindset. Um, Alec McChenzie says, love this about mindset. I love it. Uh, maybe, so I talked about one of the leads I talked to, right? The second one, I'm going to be honest. This is what we do on this show. The second one, within the first minute of talking to him, Steve, I was ready to hang up on him or fire. You know how they say fire your clients? I was ready to fire him, man. I was not having the best day. I had a lot of work on my plate. And my coordinator had to leave early. So she said, hey, handle these two leads. So this was the, he was actually the first guy I talked to. And I was skeptical. I was still a little skeptical about one in health going into it. Like, all right, let's see. So I, I called this guy. He answered. And I, I, I said, hey, do you want to do like, um, I forgot what I said. I was polite. I said, hey, do you know why I'm calling? It's about the... He's like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly why you're calling. He was really short. Like, he wanted... He was hostile. And so I said, okay, do you have time? Like, I can explain the study. He's like, yeah, I got five minutes, but make it quick. Make it quick, because I got to go. I'm like, all right. So I went through, like, the study, and he's like, okay, I get it. You're a big pharma shill. He said, he said, you're a big pharma shill and you're, 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 I'm basically going to be a guinea pig and you're going to collect data off of me and not respect my time. 
I'm a business owner. Uh, he's just started getting so negative. And I was ready to just fire him right there and say, hey, you know what? Like, I understand this is not for you. I even started saying that, like, hey, if this is not for you, I totally get it. But I kept talking. I don't know why. I just kept talking. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to tell this guy, like, that studies are not for him. But as I kept talking, I realized that he had all, like, in his mindset, and he was actually a good representation of the community at large. They're very skeptical about pharma. Like, our industry, I don't know if you guys know, I mean, we're all a bunch of insiders, but they do not like pharma, okay? They're not, not a loved brand. <laughs> They're probably the most hated. So I had to educate him. Hey, we don't, yes, we work with big pharma. We also work with small biotechs. In this particular study, it's a very small biotech you've never heard about. You know, they're, they're probably not what you think. So I started breaking it down, educating him. I told him what a research clinic was. I told him that if he thinks I'm big pharma, he should listen to my podcast, where I almost got canceled um, a few times. So then he started opening up more. By the end of this 30 minutes, Steve, this guy was like my best friend. He, he owns um, a CBD store. He said, I'm going to bring you um, CBD when I come in. So I got him scheduled. He's actually coming in tomorrow. Got him scheduled. He's going to come in, do the study, um, qualifies, all that stuff. And I'm glad I stuck through, you know, because I know a lot of coordinator. I have extra incentive because I'm the site owner. I'm a podcaster, so I could get more material. Like I could tell this story. Good or bad outcome, I could tell this story later. But I'm glad I stuck through because he really just needed a little human interaction. And this little story is is exemplary of the mindset that people have, like the community has. And so the way I see research sites is like ambassadors for for clinical research because we can't we can't leave this conversation up to pharma. I don't think it's going to work. We can't leave this conversation to the DCT companies out there. I, I don't think it's going to work. I think it has to come from boots on the ground people in the community um, to have these conversations. And this guy, you know, if he has a good experience in our study, he's going to change his mindset a little about research. And, okay, yeah, maybe Big Pharma's bad, maybe they're good, but those guys treated me well, and whether the drug worked or not, that's different, but maybe he'll refer one or two people. And that's how you start this change. I think you need the small sites. And so mindset's important, not just to change the mindset in our communities, but to change the mindset of the, of the coordinators who are calling these leads. So... You need to give them good leads in order for them to be motivated to continue making these calls. So that's a long-winded story, um, but it, it's important. Like this mindset thing, I don't think is discussed enough. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I love it. And so there's a couple of things that are just like leaping out to me. One, I'll say um, my background, I have a, 
master's degree in philosophy. And so I, I like, like am not um, trying to be like cool when I talk about this stuff. It's that I think it really matters. Like the way we think about something um, totally impacts our outcome, like our worldview, which is another way of saying mindset, like um, has tangible impacts on like real world outcomes. And so like this guy, you're right. I, I was looking for the stat, uh, but I couldn't find it because I'm not a good multitasker and I wanted to be listening. But the, the trust index, so the, the pharmaceutical industry is the lowest. You're right. It's the, the lowest score on trust in this country, lower even than the government, which is like people are historically unified and shaking their fists at the government, even more so at pharmaceuticals. So like the, the work there to be done is basically to humanize and to realize that, okay, yeah, we have N of 300 or whatever. And we need, it's, it's sort of a numbers game, right? Like if we know we're screen failing half the people who ICF and we've got to hit this target, then we need to ICF this many people. If we get this many referrals, we can, we can put that numbers. But one of those numbers is this guy who's a business owner in Yuma, Arizona. And if you didn't talk to him on the phone, like a person, um, he wouldn't be coming in tomorrow. And so that duality of like, yes, we have to hit some numbers to, to achieve the objectives, but realizing that every click and every, um, you know, lead, so to speak, is a person who was interested because they think it might help them. Um, and that like stitching those two things together is, yeah, the only way forward. I think that, that piece about someone who comes away from the study happy um, and tells their friends about it. Um, I'll just, my own experience, I wanted, you know, I'm new to the industry still three and a half years. So I, there's so much I don't know. And one of the first things I did was try to get into a study. So I joined the Pfizer COVID vaccine study. Um, it was through a local uh, research site called CNS. They're at a lot of conferences. They're great. Um, I had a good experience. They texted me two years later and said, hey, uh, we have a vaccine for the flu coming up. And I know you're going to have to edit this out. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, writing down the minute mark where yeah, I got to yeah, edit um, it. But this is why you got to be live, guys. If you're on LinkedIn YouTube, right yeah. now, like it and subscribe. The good stuff uh, on the live version. So so anyways, um, they were like, we have this flu vaccine study and you were good with COVID. So do you want to come in and try it? And I was like, sure. And for this one, I told a bunch of my friends because I knew that I was going to be treated well. I knew it was going to be not a waste of time. And like, you're already getting the flu vaccine. So why not get your $125 per appointment? And I personally re referred seven randomizations into the site. Wow. Um, you were the central recruiter for that study. My network. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I will say like, I'm, I'm an outlier. Like I'm an evangelist. Like anytime I find a cool product, I'm like, Hey guys, you should check this thing out. So people know that about me, but, um, yeah, it, that idea of a good experience having as much impact as like just running ads themselves I, under under talked about for sure there's a lot of like there's a lot of layers to that story because like i'm i'm not telling it because i actually don't think i was cool at all during this conversation it's it was probably one not one of my better moments like i had a short fuse that day so i just wanted to give in to my visceral like feeling just hang up on the guy say you know what but something in my head was like nah you're north star like you're here in an underserved community it's the first time yuma gets studies like what do you think it's gonna be easy for everybody like no it's not like have this conversation so i did i'm glad i did he's actually a good dude he's a business owner and like there's he can probably do a lot for us just like you 
just like you did for that study. I think if we give him a good experience, um, he can put our flyers in his business. And, you know, he's like a mini influencer in the community. Another thing I wanted to get to, more motivation for the sites to follow up on their leads. And then I'm thinking like maybe the last 10 minutes switch to careers, but more motivation for the sites. And I'll be honest with you again, Steve, it may not be what you want to hear. Definitely not what the sponsor wants to hear, but I don't care. That lady that got cold feet and didn't come in, despite I tried for like 20 minutes, she actually qualifies for two of our other studies. And <laughs> see, I told you, Steve, you don't want to hear this, man. <laughs> the sponsor doesn't want to hear it, but it's. I think they're going to get more out of it by working with someone like you guys than not. She actually wants to wait for... So she got cold feet. So then I was like, okay, there's no way she's going to come in this. I'm going to stop pestering her about it. Let's talk about research in general and about some of her other studies. You know, she has multiple medical morbidities and like a lot of people do in this community. And so she actually qualifies for like two or three other studies. They're just not right now. They're like a few months from now. So that's extra incentive for me as a site owner to have these conversations. Again, it's not maybe what the sponsor wants to hear. Like, hey, why are we paying for leads for someone else like a competitor study? That's just the way it is. But the, for sites, that's the incentive to... And I think sites don't really, especially some coordinators, they don't see outside the box. They just look, okay, I got this lead for this study. If she doesn't want to do it, that's it. And I tell my coordinators, put them all in our database, all of them, even the ones that don't answer. Put all of those patients in our database. You never know what other conditions they might have. You never know who their friends are, who their family members are. So if sites need more motivation to follow up on these leads, there you go. How do you feel about that, Steve? <laughs> um, I, I have probably a mixed response. So um, I think I'll surprise you and say that I think it's great um, that you asked this lady um, if she'd be interested in other studies down the road. Um, and I think adding her to a, a follow-up sequence or a database and, and reaching out to her in the future is really meaningful and good because of her consent. So she asked like, hey, follow up with me. Um, if you've ever been added to a mailing list and didn't ask to be added to that mailing list, um, you know, it, it ranges from like F you to like, yeah. I'm mildly annoyed. Um, yep. And so for me, the thing is like, uh, as a sponsor, I don't think they should care. If someone doesn't fit for their study, like the outcome, if they really truly care about patients, then the outcome of that patient staying connected to that site ecosystem should be, a, they should celebrate that. Um, but it's, it's hard to do that when you're, when your main motivation is economic. So it, it's really the rubber meets the road here on what you say you espouse as your values and what actually motivates you. Um, because they're not, if they're working with us, they're not paying for referrals anyways, they're paying for randomizations. So if that person doesn't ah. randomization, um, like that's okay. The, the downside I would say is the people who they weren't able to get in touch with. So when we're qualifying a patient, one of the ways that we're kind of building trust with them is saying that they're not going to be sold. Um, they're not going to be uh, put on a list. 
we delete everyone's information when we're done with the campaign. We don't keep any database of patients. Um, and, and part of the reason for that is um, if, if you've ever been on like a mailing list for a company that sells products, um, oh, yeah. you'd probably delete most of their emails. Unsubscribe every day from something. Yeah. And maybe like you just delete the emails, you don't unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. And maybe once a year you like, oh, it's on sale. You click through. But if you click an ad in real time, you're raising your hand right then and saying, I'm interested. And you might complete the shopping experience and check out. And so uh, patients aren't totally consumers, but they behave that way online. They're used to being in charge of what they look at. They'll back out if it's boring. They won't click through if it's uh, unnotable. And so we're fine focusing on the people who are ready to raise their hand and take a next step today. And folks who are building databases, that's a different approach. And, and sometimes studies are hard enough that they require kind of all hands on deck. So the only, the only part that kind of would, I would say potentially bum me out is that we're saying we'll connect you to a study um, specifically this study, this one. Um, and we will not sell your information to anyone else. Now we're not selling it. We're providing it to you for this study. And then what you do with it, it's kind of up to you. You're putting them on a database. They may or may not be annoyed by that. Uh, I don't yeah. know. In theory, the outcome is better for them. They should be happy, right? I was interested in this study. So why wouldn't I be interested in another one from the same clinic that cares about me three months down the road? But I think for a patient, it's hard to tell the difference between someone who's concerned like you. And I, I'm not saying that to like blow smoke. I really do believe you care about the people in you, Arizona. But it's hard for them to tell the difference between you and that giga pharma company that bought their data to get them into some study, to generate some new product, to generate. Of X course. Amount. So that's the only thing I'll say is that when you talk to someone and they, they DQ and you're like, well, Hey, we can keep you up to date on what's going on. And that person moves over. Fantastic. I love it. Um, and when it's just like kind of copy paste into our database, it's a, it's a coin flip, whether people will feel appreciative of that action or whether they'll be like, Hey, I didn't ask to be on this email list. So um, that's the only only pushback I have. Man, that's, yeah, a couple of things from there. Um, first of all, so another thing that impresses me about you guys is the fact that you delete the leads after you guys. That's really cool because the lady asked me. So this one thing is I told her, I said, hey, you do qualify for like two or three other studies. They're not starting yet for a few months. I even told her, we will not contact you. We're putting you in our database. But we will not contact you again. So you can contact us if you want. She said, I will definitely contact you. I just, I'm not comfortable with this study after researching more. But I am interested in those other studies you discussed. And I said, okay, we don't have the manpower to contact all of our leads. Like we have, we're part of a busy clinic. We have plenty of our own patients in, in-house. So we will not contact you again. And she's, she kept saying it. I know, believe me, I will contact you. So we have those people. So for like the leads that you guys send us, all those leads go under our study CTMS. We have a CTMS for every study uh, through Creo. So for, for this study, the knee pain, they all go in that one. And we have notes, patient not interested, but interested in hypertension. Or we have notes like patient did not answer, but we still have their info there. So we know in the future we get another arthritis study or whatever, and we get desperate again, <laughs> and there's not a one in health to bail us out. We'll contact them, and that you know we'll take that risk. Like, um, 
But yeah, we don't have an email list or anything. I don't really believe in putting patients on an email list. There's just something about that that, I don't know. I just never did. I never did email lists for patients. Um, I, I mean, I'll just say in general, email lists are pretty um, low conversion ways to reach people who have interest, expressed interest in something. Um, I'll say almost the opposite is true about texting, though. Like the reason I joined my second study through CNS is because they texted me. Yeah. And said, hey, like, it looks like you're a good fit. Um, my, I, I moved in here because my background is cooler. My wife got mad at me once for being on a podcast with a boring background. But my computer's about to die. So we're going to have an experience of walking. Let's do it. Meanwhile, Edie says the shirt, the shirt kills me. Um, Ross says can definitely vouch for the fact that One Nen Health and Steve are good guys. Uh, Brad says we need healthy debate. I'm all, always happy to be proven wrong. Um, for somebody says for sure, on the other side of the coin, a good experience for a maybe an experienced site staffer would translate into more motivation, better job performance. All these things. Last eight minutes, Steve, okay, careers. We have a lot of – there's a lot of Guru Nation that's watching that's looking at careers. Maybe they don't consider patient recruitment. I think it's one of the best ways to get in at the site level. Like, hey, I don't know anything about research, but I'm happy to go out in the community, pass out flyers. I'm happy to create an Instagram profile for your site and just post, like, educational things about research or about – medical conditions you guys do a company like one in health what kind of people do you guys hire and would you consider hiring research naive or do you hire research naive yeah good question um so we have hired pretty much exclusively research naive um folks uh, part of that is dan who's our ceo like his philosophy is really around hiring for profile um, an aptitude rather than like X years of experience um, because we consider ourselves TA agnostic and because kind of where we sit in the process isn't totally reliant upon having a bunch of clinical knowledge. Um, we've been able to kind of get away with that by just hiring smart people who can figure out how to read a protocol and build ads based on that. Um, but I think it's a really strong stepping stone for people with zero experience um, as long as they're okay staying in their function. Like, I don't know if you could go from one in health to being a, a CRA necessarily, but if you wanted to get into the industry as someone who works in tech or a project manager or someone with like digital marketing background, and maybe you're bored of trying to sell things on the internet and you want to use those powers to advance human health, like that's a lot of our people. Um, check that box. They're just like, I want my work to mean a little more. Um, and so now they're working in the industry. And so at some point, One in Health will be not uh, the patient recruitment company no one's ever heard of, but it'll be one of those, uh, oh, wow, One in Health on the resume. Cool. We're Icon. We'll take a look um, or something like that, I think. That's good. That's a good way to end it because the next topic's about how central recruiters get paid and there's different models and we can just spend an entire episode on that um there'll definitely be a part two part three thank you so much steve for coming on everybody go connect with steve his linkedin profile is underneath uh and if you're listening it's in the show notes thanks steve thanks a lot dan really appreciate it